I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every ep. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season four of Bojack Horseman. Damask, my good friend, what has been happening with you? Oh, just working my little butt off all week. I haven't had time to do anything else. What about you? Uh, I'm working, a lot of working. Um, if my voice sounds a little gruff, as you may remember from September last year, uh, when my football team is playing in the finals, I tend to lose my voice. So apologies for that. I may not have a perfect voice today, but uh, hopefully uh, we can bear with that. Um, beyond that, yeah, just work. You've had your mama visiting, haven't you? I have all the way down from Queensland. I think it's thanks to her that we've had such beautiful weather. So you can all thank my mum, those of you living in Victoria. Thanks. Thanks to Max Mama. Her Twitter handle is at... No, she doesn't have Twitter. <laughs> my dad has a Twitter handle. I woke up oh, this morning to find... What is it? I want to look at it Twitter. right now. I think it's W. Gordis. I don't know. Check <laughs> it out. He's liked a couple of my Richmond ones lately. So, if you just go through my timeline, you'll find it. He doesn't <laughs> post much though. And if it's anything, it's probably just complaining about football umpiring, which tends to be right. 90% of his Facebook posts too. Um, <laughs> that or pictures of his dog, which he's had for the last little bit, Gus. We get a lot of that. All right, let's get into Off Topic Hot Topic. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is our news and views segment where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. Some Brian Fuller watch. There's nothing to talk about. Uh, Neil Gaiman said that he's seen a trailer for season two of American Gods. And that oh. we'll see that one day. That's about it. I, I didn't even know that was happening. Okay. That we're getting a season two. Yeah. Yeah, it's in production. It's happening uh, just without Brian Fuller. Uh, because, of course. Um, <laughs> headlines. It was a bit of a nothing news week when it came to film stuff. I've got, I've got some headlines that are vaguely film and TV related. Mm-hmm. And if any of them take your fancy, we're going to pretend we know what the article's about and just discuss it because I've done more detail on that. Um, <laughs> so, if you don't like any of these Damask or you couldn't mm. care less, just say so and move on to the next one until we get through them. All right? Okay. First one. The mm. Academy has already backed down from that best popular film nonsense. Do you remember this news story? I do remember that. And they're back down now. 
Yes, apparently um, Laura Dern is a big part of this. Um, it was unpopular. This whole idea of this best popular film. What? Why give an award to films that have made the most money? Like, isn't that the award for the films that are already getting the most attention? Um, yeah. A lot of people just thought this is dumb. Um, and so it's been scrapped. Apparently, how do we feel? Um, I mean, I, I understand people's frustrations that like their favorite movies never get, um, the love, the Oscar love that they think they deserve. Um, but I just, I think like, that's not what the Oscars are for. They're not to praise things that, you know, they're not there to praise a Marvel movie just cause you thought it was badass, which yeah. I always do. Um, but that's, that's not its, its function. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. Um, it makes sense. I don't know why they tried to do it. I mean, I know why they tried to do it, but it seemed like a bit of silliness to me. The The objective of doing it made sense, trying to make it more relevant to, you mm. know, gen pop and get them to watch, but uh, it seemed like that's a why boneheaded. why you have, like, the MTV Movie Awards, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, do you want Do you want the Academy the to become choice. that? Yeah, exactly. You, But you don't want the Academy Awards to become that. It needs to have prestige. That's the whole point of it. I don't know. Maybe what they should just do is maybe not make it such a massive ceremony, just so- downsize it a bit and make it more about actually the awards and stuff and less about the spectacle. What? What are you talking? <laughs> what are you talking? No. No one wants that. Does, like, do, do you think if, that's going to get them more ratings no, by just I'm saying, focusing on the boring speeches? But if you, if what I mean is, if you make it less about the ratings because you don't have a budget to, that you have to, like, the whole point of getting the ratings right is you need to get it so uh, you're making a profit by people watching it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does the Academy need to be, do, do, can we not just enjoy the Oscars as being like the best of the best and enjoy the integrity of it and not have it be a a spectacular show that everyone has to be watching or not. All right, Broad, I want you to think back to our Oscar parties. Where I we love get, our Oscar parties. Yes, yeah, stupidly yeah. dressed up and we yeah. all get very tiddly. It's a fantastic <laughs> night and we just like talk through the whole thing about how ridiculous <laughs> the whole spectacle is. What, what are we going to do next year? Just sit and talk about how much we appreciate the art of film. That's our day-to-day life. Come on. No. Get out. Now I'm just sad this whole best popular film category stupid things gone because that would have made for amazing content during our Oscar party. I want that. I want fireworks. (laughs) I want lion taming. Just whatever they got, put it on stage. Thank you very much. Search to Soleil. Give me all of it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. The next headline. The internet didn't get its damn Captain Marvel trailer, but did, uh, but do, sorry, makes do with some photos. So, have you seen this content this week? Captain Marvel. Yeah, the internet set itself on fire. Was it yesterday? <laughs> Everyone's like, where's my trailer? I was like, calm in the farm. Jeez. Brie Larson set us up for a bit of a fall. She posted to EW, uh, I think it was like, ready to break. I'm bored. Let's break the internet tomorrow. And everyone's like, yes, Captain Marvel trailer. And there was no trailer because <laughs> it was an article full of photos, which I kind of saw coming. But, you know, I hoped it was a trailer, but it was like, no, it'll be yeah. a. It'll be a photo shoot, an article. Yeah. Um, I just, I loved um, so many of the comments I read was like, oh, this is going to backfire the the arrogance of Brie Larson and Disney and Marvel. How dare they? I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Daring to generate hype. (laughs) Oh, no. The ego, the ego of them. I was like, oh, no, you're a fucking loser. But yeah, anyway. Uh, Did you see the photos? I saw the cover, but that's You've all I saw. You've seen the cover. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. You should. I highly recommend. I mean, unless you're, are you trying to avoid spoilers? Is this a spoiler problem? Should we not be talking about this stuff? I don't think so. If it's promotional photos. Hmm? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't no, think we need not. to worry about spoilers of photos in a in a magazine. I think it's fine. Yeah, good point. There's we finally saw her in the the famous sort of red, gold, and blue uh, mm-hmm. costume, which I think looks pretty good. It looks the, the thing about production stills, production photos always seem to. I know they're too easy to scrutinize. I always want to see mm. stuff in motion because um, often it looks better on on film that way. It looks very like a lot, a lot of the superhero films look over detailed. Sometimes mm-hmm. they put too much work into making them textured, and it's got a little bit of that going for it. But generally, it looks like the Captain Marvel outfit. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, I like. Yeah, when Rachel I saw haircut. the picture, I was like, I'm pretty excited for that. I'm pretty excited yep. to see Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. That's awesome. We also saw photos of Lee Pace's Ronan, Ronan the Accuser from oh, um, yes. Guns of the Galaxy. He's in this film as well. Um, one of his minions in that, um, the one that has the whole Star-Lord Who moment with um, Chris Pratt at the start of Guardians 1, he's in this too. Mm. Um, but most importantly, probably oh, there's two other things that are exciting. We saw Skrulls, which... You've been reading up on your Marvel recently, haven't you? You've been sort of getting into... Are you aware of Secret Invasion yet? The idea I've of heard, the Skrull invasion? Um, it's spoken about that show. I can't remember the name of it. Lani Diane Rich and the guy, and they talk about Marvel stuff. Yep. The new one, that, her new show. He's, he's spoken about it before, but I listened to it ages ago. I can't remember. The general concept is the Skrulls have been around for a long time, back in like the early Fantastic Four days. The Skrulls um, had uh, this. Is, okay, I'm going to show myself to be a bit of a novice with this stuff. From what I understand, they had the ability to like take on or duplicate the powers of the Fantastic Four, for instance. But right. they also were able to transform and like look like other things. So famously, they were a pair of Skrulls were tricked into transforming into cows. And so mm-hmm. that's how they defeated them in this story of the Fantastic Four back oh, in the yeah, day. Oh, you know, I have heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was a Skrull character in Runaways, the Runaways comic books, uh, which was mm-hmm. great. And then there was Secret Invasion, which was basically where a bunch of our heroes had been actually Skrulls disguised as them for a long time. So mm. I won't go into suppose who that, who that was or anything like that, but there was a Secret Invasion where people had been replaced with Skrulls. So Skrulls are a bit of a big deal. And they're also have generally been thought they we, they wouldn't make it into the MCU until the uh, Fantastic Four came over from Fox because they've sort of been tied into that brand, that makes yep. sense. So it wasn't <laughs> really known if they'd ever make it into uh, the MCU. But here they are in Captain Marvel stuff, which is rad. Um, so seeing a Skrull is like, cool, this is all coming together. And then the most exciting thing of all, though, was young Nick Fury. So this is set in the 90s, Ooh. this movie. And we got our first look... Of Samuel Jackson de-aged to be playing a 90s version of himself, which we all know very well what 90s Samuel Jackson looks like because we've mm-hmm. all seen Pulp Fiction and, you know, yeah. <laughs> his movies from that era. And it's, I mean, it's just a still photo. Obviously, we've got to see it in motion. But having watched uh, the stuff they did in Ant-Man the Wasp and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Civil War and stuff like that, They've done really well this technology recently, and he looks incredible in this still, mm. at least, and just like that's uh, awesome. I, 
Cool. Who knows how long he'll be in it for? I hope. I'd love to think he's got like a meaty twenty minutes of Nick Fury in this movie, and if they can pull off that de aging thing, fucking, you know, everything's off the table. Anyone can be anything from now on. Who needs real actors? Just de age, you know, Sean yeah. Connery again to play like, Bond again. The 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 greatest thing it's going to like influence, I think, is you know, there's that that old idea that there aren't any good roles for women over 40 it's gonna be <laughs> fine because women will no longer hit the age of 40 they'll just always like, play 25 year olds which is fabulous perfect excellent yeah. solve that issue connect forever. Mm-hmm. uh let's see what else we got headlines why serials new season documents a full year in the cleveland criminal justice system not technically film or tv news i know but i was excited uh, you listened to Serial back in the day, didn't you? The first season. Yeah, the first series. And then I started listening to the second one. And I was like, I don't fucking care about this. This is boring. So I stopped. Mm-hmm. And the one that you just described to me does not sound interesting to me. So I'll, I'll let you listen to it and tell me how it goes. Oh, I will. I like the second season though. So for those who don't know Serial, well, how do you not know? If you listen to a podcast, I'm pretty sure you know what Serial is. The most famous <laughs> podcast of all time. And I hope you're part of that phenomenon. When the Adnan Syed uh, serial season one was going ahead. Um, but all of a sudden, I woke up uh, on Thursday, which is the day that my my Richmond Tigers were playing. I was very nervous about us playing this first five <laughs> match. And I was driving to work and I put on my podcast and there sitting in my feed is a serial episode that's first time in over like two years or something like that there's a trailer for the third season it's a seven minute clip from the season it's like today is going to be a good day and uh <laughs> listen to that and it's it sounds like really interesting it's basically the way sarah koenig explains it oh th- yeah and this re- this is relevant to uh bojack horseman because one of yeah, diane's ringtones is sarah koenig from uh from serial the uh the way she explains it is People often ask me, what do we learn about the criminal justice system from the serial season one case? And the thing she says is is that you don't, there's not a whole lot because it was a very unusual case. This is a guy Mm. who doesn't have a criminal history, you know, all these sorts of things. It was an unusual case. So we don't really know a lot. So this season is about sitting in courtrooms for a year and just looking at what's typical of of this, the criminal justice system, but in the sense of what's fucked up about it, like how there's this the insanity and the craziness of this unfair bias system, um, considering all these things. I don't know. I'm psyched. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm, you don't I'm glad sound you're looking forward. Intrigued at to all? It. I, I might listen uh, to that like preview episode or like the the, the short thing. But I'd, yeah, yeah, listen I to the know. seven I'm minute trailer. Yeah. See if it works for you. I it's I don't think the show can ever really be season one again because like mm, we got yeah. wrapped up in the mystery of like the can she solve this you know fifteen year old mm. crime sort of thing which maybe was the wrong move <laughs> maybe we all <laughs> set ourselves up for failure with that I don't think that's necessarily what she wanted to achieve with it it was a lot oh, about yeah no I'm I'm sure not and but I also like don't really care what she sought out to achieve that's what was created and that's the expectation that was set so you know yeah uh one more headline Dave Bautista says he still might quit Guardians of the Galaxy 3 so basically they still haven't rehired James Gunn and Dave Bautista I got to say I got a lot of um props for this guy standing by his guns is really being vocal about the fact he's like, he's got contracts and all sorts of... Like, his reputation is in the line with this. 
and he's really standing by his um his morals, his ethics, mm-hmm. and saying this is rubbish and we shouldn't. Uh, and he's unhappy about it, and he's um going to put his name on the line for it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I fully respect someone who is standing by his convictions. Um, yeah, I, would I? I think like to see perhaps more of them doing that. I think it'll probably have a bigger impact, but we'll see. They've all they have co-signed a letter a while back. Um, all saying they're unhappy and they want him um, to be re-signed, but there hasn't been a whole lot beyond that, unfortunately. Yeah. Before we move on, I will um, just bring up quickly something I have watched a little ways back now. This is actually before I went away on holiday. I did get to see Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth installment in the Mission Impossible film series, and the second film to be directed by Chris McQuarrie after Rogue Nation, which was the fifth film in the series, making him the first person to direct more than one film in the franchise. The cast includes Tom Cruise, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris... Uh, and Michelle Monaghan and Alec Baldwin, all of whom reprised their roles from previous films, along with Henry Cavill and Angela Bassett, who joined the franchise. Have you seen this movie or any of the Mission Impossible films? Do you care at all for this franchise, Damask? I watched the first one when I was mm-hmm. little, and then I also played the Mission Impossible game. On Nintendo um, 64? Yep, yep. That game was um, goddamn hard. I don't think I made it past the it- second level. It was ridiculously hard. <laughs> I think like I only would ever play like, yeah, that first mission because that was the yeah. only one I could understand. Was um, it the snow or something like that as well? It was like, I, I seem to remember that. like, I don't know, fences. And I remember getting it hoping it was like GoldenEye 007 because like another yeah. spy action series. I think series. that's what we all wanted. Yeah. And I remember the first it. mission, it was like you were in some sort of like, ballroom like function and embassy or whatever and you had to like <gasps> steal a letter or something i can't even remember but that was my vague recollection of it i was quite young but so yeah. that's my only experience with oh actually i did see the second one have no memory of it though the second one I'll- is ridiculous what do you remember yeah I, I just remember not liking it but that's it i loved it as a kid it is now notorious for being the far and away worst of the series. Right. And rewatching it recently, we sort of, my brother and I had them on just on different streaming services. You can watch pretty much all of them now, except for the Ooh. latest one, which is at the cinemas. Um, and rewatching it, it is terrible, terrible <laughs> dialogue, terrible uh, plot. It's just, mm. s- just basic or nonsensical or stupid. It has fun moments, though. There are like individual action moments because it's, uh, it's um, a John Woo film, I think. And it is those bits can be enjoyed from a in sort of goofy isolation. But as a whole, the movie is awful, just right. terrible. And barely resembles Mission Impossible 1 either, which is pretty much, except for a couple of really crazy action sequences, kind of just a straight spy thriller in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, the move, the movies have since become more and more escalated and the last three in particular, ever since ghost protocol, probably have really been become about, um, how crazy can Tom Cruise's stunts be in this movie? In fact, (laughs) they've, they've admitted that they actually come up with Tom Cruise will approach the director and go, I want to do this crazy stunt. And then they will. Set, spend a year figuring out how they're going to do that and then build the movie and the plot around that. And I think that's kind of obvious in Mission Impossible 4. The plot is secondary to the action. Uh, but 
it is a very fun, fun movie. A really great action film to watch. Has some incredible set pieces, like three, four, five, six different set, set pieces that are all pretty spectacular. And a couple of ones that really stand out as being great ones. I heard some people comparing this. I got a lot of hype for this film when early previews or reviews were coming out. People were saying it was the best action film since Mad Max Fury Road. And that mm. sets a very high bar in my mind. Because Mad Max Fury Road may be the best action film I've ever seen. Uh, probably the best action film I've seen since, like, Die Hard sort of thing. And this does not reach that. It Some of its visual set pieces do reach that bar. But the bits in between... it. The great thing about Mad Max Fury Road is there's a simplicity to its story, right? It's like... Uh, Max, he's got his own agenda. He gets sort of caught up with this this other group's agenda. They end up working together and he you can see his little arc and you can... It's just a straightforward sort of uh, movie on the run. It's an action film where it's always a car chase and it works so well. This is so freaking convoluted and dumb. <laughs> there's a scene where there's like eight backstabbings that all take place one after the other mm. to the point where it's... I think it's making fun of itself because it's so ridiculous. But if nothing else, go and see this on the big screen at the cinemas just for the ending. 20 minutes is pretty insane. Some great car chases in the middle uh, and a really cool um, halo, like a, a, a skydiving scene at the start, which is fantastic as well. Um, yeah, that's my review of Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> I love it. See, I am not a fan of action movies in general just because like, if there's an action sequence on the screen, I am checked out. Like, I find it very hard to concentrate on. Like, I just kind of drift off. I did not have that experience with Mad Max. I was fully engaged the whole time. I thought that film was incredible. And I think, like, that was one of the reasons that I loved it so much was the fact that it was the genre that I like the least and it was so heavy on the parts of that genre that I dislike the most. And yet Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, my favourite action film. I think it's pretty easy for me to say that um so yeah that's interesting but i also know that films like you know james bond films and stuff and spy films i i have a i have trouble really liking because there are so many they're always so convoluted and there's always so many hidden agendas and like switches and all this that i just like i get to a point and we're like i don't know five scenes deep and i'm like i don't even remember the the purpose or like the drive of anyone in at all like I'm so lost in what's happening that I just stop caring so I so I'm not sure if whether my experience um of Mission Impossible would be good or not but interesting if you if you're just willing to just let that wash over you which you have Mm. to do with this movie because if you think about too much it makes almost no sense like (laughs) people's motivations from moment to moment or why they're working with certain people or what they're trying to achieve becomes very very hard to follow Right. Um, the emotional motivation of Tom Cruise's character is reasonably consistent and that's good. Mm-hmm. But the general mechanics of the plot just... It, and the thing is, it, you just don't think about it. Forget about it. It's not important. Enjoy <laughs> okay. the moment-to-moment banter. Enjoy the chemistry between the actors and enjoy the action scenes and you'll be fine. If you think about it too much, your head will explode. Don't even bother. Okay. It's interesting. Do you, it's interesting that you said you enjoyed Mad Max, and you were able to follow the. Do you, Do you think you struggle to follow the action sometimes, like the way that a 
a film's action sequence is cut or that you like you're you just visually have a problem keeping up with what's going on like you lose that I track mean, it, and it, so it frustrates you it's there's different reasons depending on okay. the film i'm watching so like there's certain i mean there was a period of action films where the action was so shaky yeah and just like for some reason everyone was doing a handheld thing i was like can we not I'm very nauseous and obviously I, I can't – I don't know who's who in this situation. Yeah. Um, so that is an issue, like how it's shot, how it's put together. Um, but also if an action scene is just really long and if I yeah. don't care about the characters, then I'm just like, I don't care anymore. Just like can we get to the end to see who wins? Like that's kind of where, where, it, where it goes for me. Um, but, yeah, but I didn't have that with Mad Max because I, I was interested in the characters and the set pieces were so – mind-blowing and just I was like wow <laughs> like the whole time I was like oh my goodness that looks so cool looks so cool but what I think is really important and that the lesson that should be taken away from Mad Max Fury Road and there's lots of things that talk about this there's, like, there's video essays and all sorts of things the it is filmed deliberately to be really comprehensive like no sorry mm-hmm. sorry really easy to comprehend in terms of from moment to moment, the way it's shot and edited makes it that it's very easy to follow. You don't lose yeah. track of mm-hmm. what each character is doing or where they are in space or why something happened the way it happened. The worst example ever I can think of this in a film where they get it wrong, so you're talking about that shaky cam um, sort of period of action filmmaking, right, where everything was shaking and it's cut, 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 cut. So it's just frenetic energy, right? And it gives a yeah. sense of action without actually making it um, watchable and the worst film I've ever seen that in I think is in because um, that came from the Bourne Ultimatum I think that started but the James Bond um, Quantum of Solace has this the first two minutes you could write an old hell essay on because it starts amazingly there's this beautiful shot of like the camera moving over a lake towards a tunnel and you can see these cars speeding toward and it cuts to the to the car for a second you just sort of get a sense of the speed and that something's about to happen and it propels itself for 30 seconds and then all of a sudden it turns into a shaky cam rapid cut mess and you completely lose any ability to figure out what's happening from moment to moment Mm. and and the film is full of that but that first 30 first sort of two minutes it's just like what is happening and why I do not understand and you cannot follow or track it because it's just shot and edited so poorly. So, yeah. Mm. Mad Max doesn't have that problem. I don't think Mission Impossible 6 necessarily has that, but maybe not quite up your alley. Anyway, that's too much off topic. Off topic, off topic. Let's talk spoiler-free review of BoJack Horseman Season 4. Let me clue you in. Season in review. In the latest season of BoJack Horseman, Princess Carolyn is trying to balance her relationship and career, Diane is finding her feet working for a feminist blog, Mr. Peanut Butter is vying for Governor of California, Todd is Todd, and BoJack is... Wait, where is BoJack? Joining the core cast this time around are new regulars Wendy Malik, Lake Bell, Matthew Broderick, Jan Krakowski, Aparna Nanchella as Hollyhock Mannheim Mannheim Guerrero Robinson, Zilbus Lake Shung, Fonzarelli McQuack, and Jessica Beale as Jessica Beale. Season 4 continues the tradition of 12 episodes, with each ep coming in at around 26 minutes and took us approximately 5 hours and 10 minutes to watch. Season 5 of Bojack Horseman arrives on Netflix on September 14th. 
2018. Just as a point of reference, let's quickly refresh our thoughts on BoJack Horseman up to this point. We've both we've all, both liked it all the way through pretty much, but definitely season three was mm. our favorite by far to the point where we were sort of giving it four and a half out of five stars, verging on five stars. We really, mm. really liked last season. Yep. Is that correct? Absolutely. I think from what I've seen of the season, one was okay. It was a bit of a struggle for me. Didn't quite get it. Two, certainly got better. Three, blew my mind. And I think at that point, I was like, I love this show. Yep, totally. Would you like to go first reviewing this one or would you like me to go first today? You can go first this time, Okay. It's fair. You did first last time. Okay. In a sentence, a great season, though doesn't quite reach the highs of last season for me. Um, I think it's still having fun with its own format, which is good. That was certainly the thing about season three that I liked the most. I talked about ad nauseum. Um, And unsurprisingly, its best episodes are the ones that play with expectations. Um, But didn't have as many of these episodes as season three. And so, yeah, was missing a little bit of that, um, comparing it to last season. I like the ideas of this season um, a lot. Uh, Mm. But I think I liked it more than its execution. It's not to say the execution was bad, just that season three worked from episode to episode a little bit better for me. And this season, and this is a word I'll come back to later on in my review, was a little bit messier. Um, So in terms of sort of how I was feeling about this, they introduce a new character this season that is thematically and functionally, I thought, very engaging, um, very poignant. It adds a lot um, to the story, especially for, for BoJack. But as an, as an individual character, as an entity themselves, they didn't fully grab grab me. And that's a trick that they've actually pulled off well in the past, um, most notably with Lisa Kudrow's character in season two. They added this new element mm. that was sort of well-injected theme or idea with her, um, placed her next, next to Bojack. And she was great for that, but she also, as an individual character, I really fell in love with her and liked her inclusion just as an element on her own. Didn't feel that way so much about this new character this season, though I understood their place in the story and the arc of Bojack and what they were doing with it. That stuff's great. Just didn't love her as a character herself. Um, A deliberate choice is also made this season to separate much of our main cast. They aren't completely isolated from one another, um, but they seem to feature a little bit less in each other's stories. Um, this comes with pros and cons. Some characters benefit more than others. Princess Carolyn, for instance, is given room to mine her depth this season. And honestly, she could have her own show at this point. Her mm. stuff is just completely compelling on its own and is maybe the highlight of the season for me. Um, but that also separating them plays with the chemistry of the show a bit. And for my money... Um, makes things a touch messier, as I said, I was going to say. And that same messiness also comes from the non-linear nature of the storytelling this season. There are revelations to be had and history to be revealed. And while a lot of this is emotionally affecting, it also means that we're consistently being pulled out of the present. And in some ways, this season kind of ends up feeling feeling like a bit of a fill-in, some detail season. It's like going back and... Um, adding some history or some detail or some depth to our understanding of these characters and how they came to be and and their history, but um, it feels more like a step on the way to somewhere and less of a destination. This is an ongoing story, so mm. not every season needs to feel complete or as fulfilling, but season three in a lot of ways, felt like a complete hole that reached destination. Last season felt so confident. It felt like a destination. Bojack had arrived. This season is doing something different. It's extremely emotionally ambitious, 
And that works for the most part, but it didn't leave me as satisfied as last season. That sounds a little mm. bit negative. I, like, I still really want to point out that yeah. I really enjoyed no, the I, season a lot. You know, I think you made some really great points. And to what you were just saying with season three kind of, you know, reached kind of this conclusion or this really this, this great point. Um, mm-hmm. And the creator has even said that um, the end of season three was the end of a chapter of the story that they're telling. And so right. they're going somewhere new now. So I think those, those, I guess, transitional pains that we are seeing in this season as the beginnings of the next story, perhaps. And who knows, that that might not be correct, but maybe that's that's what's happening and that's what we're feeling a little bit with this season. I would suspect that. I think that's probably mm. what it is. I don't it doesn't worry me that this season wasn't no. as completely compelling or satisfying as last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, not every season is going to quite hit you as hard as the last season. You're always going to have a mm-hmm. favorite. There's always going to be yeah, differences from one season to another. And as like I said, they're trying different things and I like that they're trying different things. Um, yeah, but it just, if I'm being honest and critiquing it, didn't quite, didn't love it as much as last season. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so very, very similar. This season didn't quite reach the heights of last season, but it is another step in the journey. We are... Particularly this season, we're uncovering the deeper layers of trauma that would lead to someone like Bojack being so destructive. I found it to be intriguing. I found it to be cathartic. And I, when we did go back, while you're correct in saying that it took us away from the present, I wasn't upset by that or feeling as though I wanted to go back to the present. Every time we did go well, journey into the past, I was happy to be there and I was fascinated by what I was seeing and I, I wanted to know more. I really did. There, So that I quite enjoyed that aspect of this season. There is, however, still a character that I am not convinced by um, and I know he's very important to a lot of people and I understand those reasons why. But for me, um, it's there's not enough of character there still four seasons in. Um, this season we have heartbreak, we have depression, we have laughter and wackiness, all those beautiful elements that we have come to appreciate in BoJack Horseman. It's all there, but expectations were high coming out of season three into season four. There's no denying that. Um, I was in love with season three. I thought it was absolutely incredible. I look back on it and I'm just like, why didn't I give it a five? That's so weird. Um, but you know, you've got to move on. Um, yeah, there was there was a few stories and setups that weren't always executed in an overly satisfying way. And I think perhaps maybe that was expectation playing a, a part in that. But this show is great. This season is great. Um, so I'm just really pumped for season five. And this, I really did enjoy this season. It's just simply because it's following season three that yeah, just by comparison, it's not quite going to, um, yeah, reach the limits that I was hoping for. So many qualifiers are putting in there. Like, really, please believe me, I did like this season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, final score and ranking, or not, forget ranking. Final score, I'm going to give this a four out of five. Last mm-hmm. season, I gave a four and a half. Again, mm-hmm. similar to you, could have easily been a five. I'm sticking with four and a half. I'm happy with that. This season's a four. Better than the the, pre, the first two seasons, just not quite as good as season three. Damask, what about you? 
I've got exactly the same score. Of course I do. I've got a four. Oh, so typical. <laughs> How dare we have taste. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning! On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1, 2, 3, and 4 of BoJack Horseman. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of BoJack Horseman up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. I, I kind of anticipated this would happen. And I wanted to avoid it, but let's do it anyway. We're on the conversation of the character we like the least. (laughs) You (laughs) brought it up and I was thinking it. I hadn't brought up my review, but I was always going to go there. Let's Mm. talk about Todd. Now, you said that people find him, it's his important character to them. Can you explain what you're talking about there? Well, he is asexual. It's revealed that he's identifies as asexual Mm -hmm. um and i know that's very important to people i believe he's you know at least the first regular character that has that identity um if not the only television character full stop with that identity i'm not sure but it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case so i understand that um but boy do i wish that that community had better representation than the character of todd and it's not because he's a bad guy or, you know, I think it's uh, showing a negative view of asexuality. I don't think that at all. I just think Todd's not a very captivating or interesting character in a show that is full of captivating and interesting characters. I think it's a real shame. The For me, the problem with Todd is I, d- I don't find his hijinks particularly funny just because I don't care about him. I don't see him as there's anything real there. Um, but also that, you know, in terms of Todd and Bojack, because a lot of the times we have come to really care about a character through their relationship with Bojack and how mm-hmm. who he is affects them, um, really humanises them to us, even if they're an animal. Um, and so, yeah, his relationship with Bojack, it just seems like every other relationship is more important. Like if... Todd's having 
sorry, if Bojack's having an issue with someone else and Todd within the same time frame, you know that the situation with Todd won't be addressed or it'll be addressed later or in a way that doesn't hold much weight because he is a joke character. Um, now, from time to time, we will have a scene with him like we did last season where he was like, you know, the problem is you, it's you, it's not the drinking, it's not anything else, it's you, which is great. It's a great line and it was it's well performed by Aaron Paul, but it's just not enough there. And if you're going to make me think of the of a character as just a buffoon 99.9% of the time. Then when he is serious, I'm just like, that's cool, but like I'm not invested in you. And I'm still not. Season four, I'm still not invested. Well, let's talk about what he does this season. Because it's interesting. They like he's he what's there's a couple of things that are going for him in terms of storyline because it's like you said sort of you wish that he that he had a character or there was more character there. I think in your review you sort of said that. And I think mm-hmm. I've expressed that as well. It's just there's not much of a character to him. And the problem is I just – I think you've expressed it better this time around. I just – his character just doesn't interest me. He just does not mm-hmm. interest me. He doesn't – not compelling to me as a character. Um and they do a couple of things which, yes, have some meat on them. Yes, his asexuality is interesting because it's unique and there's there's stuff to be mined there. Do I think they do a good job of it? Not really. They also try and do this thing where there's an episode. I think it's episode three or mm. three or four. It's called Hooray, Todd Episode. Um, Sort of, yeah, a bit of a leading title there. And they spend... The episode trying to convince me that Todd, Todd's value is that he puts every he like puts himself last and is always doing things for people. Mm. I don't know. Is that true? Like, is that true of his character previously? Because I'd never drawn that line that he was like constantly doing things for other people. Maybe there are examples of that, but it never stood out to me as being a big part of his character that he was so selfless. Um, that he was always putting himself last. Does that make sense? Well, here's the thing is that the character doesn't have anything to do and so a lot of the plots around him in the past have been people telling him to do something and therefore mm-hmm. he goes on a wacky adventure and does his thing because yep. he doesn't have a drive. He doesn't have his own goals and so- He did want to make a rock opera once. Oh, that's true. And that's probably the most interested I've been in. (laughs) John was when Bojack betrayed him because he was passionate about something. Yeah, Yeah. more of that, please, would be good, I think. Yeah, that episode... And so that was interesting they brought that concept up. And then it's like, okay, that's interesting. If you want to set that as a new foundation for Todd and explore that idea, cool. And then the rest of the season is him deciding he doesn't want to have a faux marriage. And then... Uh, he starts a clown dentistry thing. I'm and, shaking my head. I'm shaking my and head. And that about. is like, that is the rest of his season, basically. Mm. And someone on the writing staff obviously fucking loves Todd and his hijinks. Like, they thought clown dentists or dentist clowns was amazing. And I'm here to tell you that that person is wrong. That that idea... <laughs> Does not tickle me. It does not interest me, fascinate me. It did nothing for me. And the more I saw of it, 
the more I was like, why is this in the show? There is just, mm-hmm. and I maybe maybe different people watch this show for different reasons, but the reason I'm watching this show is so far removed from Todd's hijinks, it's not even funny. The stuff that's going on with Princess yeah. Carolyn, the stuff that's going on with Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane, the stuff that's going on with Bojack is infinitely more engaging and funnier because I give a shit about what they do, who they are and what they're doing. That mm. is, is hard to explain just how much I don't give a shit about Todd and he's stupid. And even when Mr. Peanut Butter and, and Todd were back in that room with their meerkat accountant and like- He's talking about how bad an idea this was. I was like, I am this fucking accountant. Why are we doing this again? Can we please not? Yeah. And I think some people might argue that, you know, the reasons that people like you and I might watch it, which is, all, you know, the Diane, Mr. Peanut Butter, the Bojack stuff, the Princess Carolyn stuff. Because we're depressos um, and we like being and, sad. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, but you need, you know, you do need some balance. You need levity. And I was like, well, I get that from the world building that has gone on that has created this absurd and very funny world. Yeah. That brings levity to the show to me. I don't need this whole other character that is taking up quite a bit of time. Yeah, his his hijinks of, of that clown dentistry thing. I was just like, this is... Which annoyed me because he was in Princess Carolyn's house while she's going through this big thing. I was like, gosh, I wish he was given some quiet so that I could see, really, like, appreciate him in those moments. You know, even when he does give good advice, I was just like, fuck, I just wish you were allowed some room to be more than just, uh, this sounds absurd, but a cartoon character. (laughs) No, absolutely. Yeah, I was like, I I wish you were given that space and I I don't, I think he very rarely is and I think that's a shame. Just thinking of like how you were saying the world building um, does that job for you. Like cameo appearances like an episode with Sextina Aquafina does way (laughs) more for me. Her as a character is way more interesting to me in the one or two episodes we've seen her, then Todd has been for four seasons now. Like, she mm. really is just as... like, And that she's like a... If we, we'll always reference... <laughs> we'll always reference um, uh, Parks and Rec because we love it to death. But, like, Jean-Ralphio can come in and have an episode here or there or be a bit of a goof. And he is more mm. interesting as a character because you're not trying to stretch out his usefulness. Todd is not useful enough to yeah. be in every episode the way he's like being used. One of my favorite characters in Parks and Rec is <laughs> Joan Calamezzo, who is just yeah, exactly. she's just there to do stupid news shows and it's so beautiful. It's so so yeah. beautiful. Um yeah, I think those characters, you know, goofy, ridiculous, absurd characters have their place and they are fantastic. But when you make them a main character in a show like this that deals with some really incredible stuff to watch really truthful amazing things it can feel really weird and tiresome and i think that's what we're going through with todd what's interesting as well i think is that to some degree mr peanut butter fulfills that too like he has Mm. he he has a much better baseline character to work off he's just sort of constant positivity and the clownishness that comes from that and like there's an absurdity there but it also he has a real depth to him like mm. when we see his frustration with the stuff that's going on with Diane or where his positivity is so juxtaposed to what every everything else that's going on around him i don't know there's they've done a much better job making him a character that i give a shit about um even when he seems less affected than most people in the show especially like Diane or um, Princess Carolyn or Bojack. Mm-hmm. I think 
that's the limit of that that border, right? He is the antithesis of Bojack, and so that's where we need to stop. Todd doesn't fit anywhere on that spectrum. He doesn't. He's not there. He just. He's yeah. so far off the grid that it. Miss <clears throat> Peanut Butter does what Todd could ever is as good as yeah, Todd could I ever think be. Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter both have this kind of like idiocy about them, this like mm. naive spirit that gets them into these ridiculous circumstances. But a lot of the times with Mr. Peanut Butter, that is his foil, his positivity, and he can't see it because he's so positive, is mm. having like a negative effect on the person he loves the most, which is really, really interesting, this person that mm-hmm. is obsessed with being liked so much that they make life harder for the person that's most important to them. Like that's interesting. But totally. with Todd, it's just like, well, he's just an, an idiot. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, idiocy is a funny thing because it shows up in comedy a lot, mm. and sometimes it works really well. Like, I, I, I don't. I wish I could articulate when it's good and when it's not. It's like there's a line again, and I think, like Homer Simpson, for example, is a fucking moron and made to be more idiotic. He goes along. And there was a there was a period there was an era of a few seasons when that idiocy was at the right level, where mm-hmm. it was also tied into him still being human, having emotions, having regret, being empathetic. Mm-hmm. His relationship with yeah. Lisa is really important with Marge and so forth. And then it moved past that. And he just became a fucking idiot constantly, who was into zany adventures and all and everything just seemed to wash over him and didn't affect him. And at that point, he wasn't a character anymore, and I lost my interest in The Simpsons completely. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to know how to use your your, your village idiot. And uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, it works for and it doesn't for Todd. Let's move on from Todd. Let's talk about Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane maybe since we're there. Uh, so, what's going on this season? Mr. Peanut Butter, uh, in a very wacky series of events, um, ends up uh, running for governor, almost getting it in a, uh, uh, a ski race in episode one, um, and then spends the rest of the season... Initially campaigning to be governor and then trying to get, uh, what's his name? The Woodchuck, Chuck Wood, whatever his name is, the, to be governor. Chuck. Chuckowitz, something like that. Woodchuck, Herbowitz, something like that, yeah. Herbowitz, that guy. Get <laughs> him reelected. And that's a lot of his story. And we do spend a lot of time diving into his desire to be want to be liked by people. And then- Probably for me, what was more interesting about this was what was going on with Diane. So, how this pursuit um, to be governor, uh, the time he was spending with his ex-wives, was affecting his relationship with Diane. She's got a new job. She's working for a sort of a clickbait uh, feminist website, um, which suits her to the ground, interestingly enough. I really thought she found her place, finally, Diane. She found where she was meant to be. Yeah, towards the end, yep. Towards the end, yeah. And then there was these interesting dynamics going on all season with these two where he is pro-fracking because of a series of events that lead to that and she's obviously against it and the fights they were having there that um, his original ex-wife is convinced was going to tear them apart but ends up sort of getting them to have really crazy sort of angry sex together, which was a turn I didn't see coming but I thought was really interesting. And then, Can I just say on that point that yeah. I was because you know people at home, Brod and I have to watch a season of TV every week, and so <laughs> oftentimes I'll be watching it on my phone. Um, I was on a peak hour tram, sitting down, <laughs> and so I was surrounded by people standing above me, like and watching. I'm watching BoJack. I'm like, ha ha, this is funny. And then 
the angry sex scene between a dog and a woman starts happening. And I'm just like, well, I can't pause it because then people will think I'm ashamed. And I was like, no, I'm just going to... I'm just gonna keep watching it, <laughs> but I'm sure if I if anyone saw my face, it was quite red, and I just didn't know what to do. And I didn't. I was like, "What must they think? What am I watching on public <laughs> transport?" Oh God. Anyway, I've I've had the exact same problem on a plane. I've had the mm. exact same problem running at the gym, and it's like I'm watching this thing. And it's like if anyone's looking at what I'm watching right now, they're like, "What the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> He's in the gym. Why is he watching this bestiality cartoon?" Yeah, absolutely, had that exact same problem. Uh, and then the the probably the most fascinating thing for me. Stop me if you've got anything else to say about this, by the way. With Diane was yes, watching this moment, especially at the end of the season where. You can see there's a lot of affection and love still between mm. Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter, but that when they're talking about, oh, the, I do love this whole bit in the last episode where he's they're trying to rebuild their house. Mm. He desires to a do things that will make her happy, but b make sure that she feels like she's a part of the house, that she's mm-hmm. just not a guest that's going to move on at some stage. I really understood his frustration desire there. But then also we have well established in season two that she does not like grand gestures of affection. And so mm. when he builds her this bell room that um, she struggles with that. And then that, that that beautiful encapsulation of like their relationship as a magic eye poster and the line that I'm just tired of having to squint or whatever the exact I'm line is. I think I've written squinting, it. Yeah. I'm tired of squinting. And sort of her breaking down to tears was so, so well put and so well executed. And and it was just so, I don't know, beautifully articulated and illustrated, I thought. What did you think of that stuff? Oh, it broke me. It broke me as a person. (laughs) It happened and I was just like, that's too much, man. That's too much. Um, <laughs> hey, now don't uh, yeah, don't you it, can't say that anymore. Too soon. I know. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Look, the whole thing is pain, so we just gotta <laughs> sit in it. It's fine. Um, yeah, it was like Diane. The character of Diane really speaks to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like there's certain points in your life when you're going through stuff and you find things, whether it be film, a TV show, or a book, and you're like. Oh, that is really speaking to me in this moment. Um, yeah. The journey of Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter has been very relevant to my life uh-huh. recently, um, particularly the struggles of Diane. This, you know, whole going back and forth in your own head of, I feel happy, I can't stop thinking in my brain that I'm probably not actually happy, or I'm unhappy, I'm going to question that in my brain and think oh maybe that's not true either and so you just don't know where you are at any given moment like am I happy am I unhappy it's quite exhausting um Mm -hmm. and just being yeah their relationship of two opposites but they're and so like as the audience you see like it doesn't make any sense for them to be together but they love each other so much and they care mm-hmm. about each other so much and are willing to do the work. It's quite, I think, depicts a, a, a real relationship and how, it, and how it works. And But, yeah, just seeing Diane just slowly kind of come to the conclusion that 
she's exhausted <laughs> and you, can, yeah. you can't you can't do that forever like that's it's too much and so yeah when she finally said you know i'm tired of squinting i was you know i might have had a little breakdown i was like oh god oh god um but yeah the campaign stuff around their relationship i didn't find overly compelling or interesting yeah but their relationship itself i i have been very invested in for the last two two and a half seasons um yeah no i i'm i'm sad for them both and when mr peanut butter you know, his little his ears go down when he, when she says that and he realises that he's probably going to have to get divorced again and I really felt for the guy. But in, in that actual final scene with them when Miss Peanut Butter opens the door and it's, you know, bell room and I was like, that is so beautiful and but you just see Diane's, she yeah, she want, she likes what she likes and that's just how it is and nothing but that is going to make her happy and she just she can't help it she can't help herself but yeah not be happy with that even though it's such a sweet thing to do and mr peanut but i just you know he wants to do what he wants to do and there's no other way around it and that like two people like that just can't be together it's quite sad i agree with you about the campaign stuff it um it worked as a vehicle for what's going on with them um it it, at times, I found it more amusing than others. It, I kind of just wish sometimes the balance was a little bit different. I feel I just because the actual nuts and bolts of the relationship interests me so much. I kind of wish they could just be a bit more literal with it. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that's naive of me to say that as well. I guess I'm just always thirsting for that part of the story to to come to yeah. the surface. Yeah. And so when it's like hidden underneath layers of like the goofiness, the goofiness is fine for a bit, but I do just want to get back to the stuff that I I really care about. And and you're right that that is I am interested I'm invested, sorry, in their relationship and I think I wrote something actually last season I I didn't bring up the podcast. I think I wrote the line Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter are the realest couple on television. And it's so funny to me this cartoon <laughs> woman and dog seem to be so seem to be such a compelling real relationship and watching it does feel like we're at the point now where it's inevitable that they are going to go their separate ways and to watch it happen and it not ever be a giant fight but just be chipped away at little by little to the point where someone is just exhausted feels yeah. so real and so familiar um that I, I you just can't help but applaud it for mm. it's 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 so so good so well done yeah yeah i mean so rarely it's like one big event that you know rips two people apart because that's generally not in reality but it makes the good drama goes. which is why television does it and it's so yeah, great yeah. that they don't do that in this show yeah. Because there is there is drama in the slow chip away. <laughs> there is mm-hmm. heartbreak. Like and the worst kind of heartbreak in that. And there's devastation in that. But you just have to be patient and take the time to do it. I think, you know, shows like I mean, the American Office, I think and some people don't like the storyline, but I do in a later season, that is similar 
to that and I find that really poignant and nuanced and interesting storytelling about a long-term relationship I, man I love that shit <laughs> like it like it I think it's beautiful and I think those stories are important to tell well, I think I think one of my least favorite episodes in season two is actually the one where they had the three separate storylines, including the one where he threw the big party for Diane, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And now my thought is still not necessarily that I love that episode, but my appreciation for what they built in, mm. like into their storyline there, that had such a great payoff when you consider where we got to, that we yeah. returned to that and we know that he should know better than this. But we also know that he can't help himself, that this is yeah. his way of showing his love for Diane. Yeah, I mean, like, it's... it's Even when, you know, he didn't steal the day of the Hollywood sign, he still took, you know, credit for that because it was a great big gesture. And in Bojack's, I think he's calling Diane and talking about it, and he's like, well, yeah, that's not you. That's not the kind of thing that you would like. And... Yeah, Bojack recognises that, but her own husband doesn't. And I think that's quite a a sign of some real trouble. So, I did want to talk about that, actually. Mm. Diane and Bojack. Because we ended last season with a conversation with Bojack where he says that, you know, he needs her in his life. Mm. And she brings it up again when she's calling him at the start of the season. We don't know where Bojack is. And one of her messages says, like, how do you think it makes me feel that you said you need me in my life, but now I can't get in contact with you, basically. And there are multiple points in this episode, in this season, because they don't, they don't really spend very rarely any time together, except for the, episode, the underground episode, I think, where they mm. spend the whole two weeks or whatever it is underground, basically getting drunk together. <laughs> but there are these sort of moments they check in with each other and you... You wonder how good these two are for each other, but you absolutely see that they have so much more in common and that that their relation, like, they are, it's so much easier to be themselves around each other, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, a, there's, a, there's an easiness to it. And does that, maybe this is again getting ahead of what the point of the story is. Do you think this, do you think this is leaning towards the idea that these two are actually meant to be end up together no. or does that not even matter is it no. just that it's a point of reference this is the that she gets from Bojack what she can't get from Mr. Peanut Butter and that's important to the Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane relationship yeah I think it, it certainly helps um, illustrate the point to her but not illustrate it in a way that is like um, comparing them romantically I think mm-hmm. I I I really don't think that there is anything romantic there between them. I think they have a great appreciation for their mutual understanding of how shitty the, the world can be. Um and they can be honest with each other about that and I think you know one big isolating problem that Bojack has is that he he's unable to articulate his sadness or his fear or any real truthful negative emotion um, other than anger, whereas he's able to do that with Diane. And I think, you know, somewhat similar for her as well, she's able to talk about the ugly side of things that she isn't able to speak with other people about. And that's a really you know, can be a really important friendship to have with someone. Um, 
but I think Diane, definitely more so than Bojack, recognises that, you know, they can't both be pits. Like, that's not a healthy place to be. Like, they can't be each other's number one, I don't think. Um, And I also just think while Bojack can get better, I don't think he can get better in a relationship. (laughs) So I hope that's not what happens. I would hate for them... Because I just feel like when Bojack tries to distract himself from getting better with other things, which I think a relationship with Diane would be, he does really awful things. And I think if he, oh God, if he fucked up the friendship with Diane in a really real way, I don't think I'd recover. (laughs) And I don't think he would either. I... I don't know if there's an OTP sort of situation going on here. But mm. I'm pretty convinced at some point there is going to be a re- – in the future, there is going to be romantic implications between the two of them that are probably going to illustrate exactly what you just said in terms mm. of why they can't work together. But journeys are meant to have their stumbles and you're meant to you know take steps backwards as well as steps forward for this to be compelling. Yeah, you're and probably I would right. Be- I think I'm probably parenting them. You're right. Yeah, I think there. I think Diane, in a moment of weakness and and you know need for comfort and knowing that she has a connection with Bojack, is going to fall into that pit. And then that's exactly what will happen. It will be a pit, but it also feels like the sort of stuff this show is going to explore. Um, it feels inevitable to me at this point. It feels like it's been setting that up since the end of last season. It certainly felt like it was setting that up this season, um, especially if there is going to be a separation between. Her and Mr. Peanut Butter only makes sense. She's going to spend more time with Bojack, and that's going to lead to the inevitable complications. And I just, yeah, I, I don't just, know. I think it would be. It seems obvious, but so, but it kind of feels inevitable. Like it has to. It has to touch on it because if you didn't, it would feel like it. It's not being true to itself, too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think because we have the whole thing where Bojack, you know fucks over other people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of hoping that as a sign of res- of respect to Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter, then he won't. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. think you're getting That's too far ahead of the the redemption arc for Bojack. I know! I think, I, think that's, I think that's a little further down the track of that's ever happening. I know. I he- just... I think I that's to be more okay. likely, you're more likely to see him fuck up and then be able to fulfill what he couldn't do. So remember at the end of last season in the uh, episode with Sarah Lynn, where he mm. was meant to go to their place and like sort of say sorry and find mm. redemption that way, but he just did it for himself and it was never about the actual people. Well, I could see a version in the future, say something like season six, where things have gone to hell, but he really does find to mm. himself to be remorseful and does it out of a place of really trying to uh to 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 redeem himself to well for their sake more than for his own sort of sake if that makes sense i think that that could very easily be the redemption we've set that up as something he couldn't do previously and he's going to be able to do in the future as part of his improvement um yeah. i don't think you're wrong i just desperately want it to not happen i think <laughs> I just don't want it to happen. Would it upset Because I, I know ha- how special they are to one another and I would just hate... Oh, God, I'm getting depressing him about it already. I would hate 
for them to fuck that up. I don't think it necessarily means that they fuck it up. I think that... Mm. I think they've already moved past... Like, because the stuff that happened in season one, it, it wasn't extreme, but Bojack sort of m- tried to start something romantic. He kissed her. And then they did manage to move past that, and they still are pretty... Find each other very important in each other's lives. I don't know. We've been on this for a little bit too long, but I'll be interested to see where that goes. Let's yeah. move on. There's a lot to talk about still, actually. Uh, let's talk about Princess Carolyn first. And I'm saying Princess Carolyn because even though half the people say Princess Caroline, she says Princess Carolyn. So I'm going to go with that. And um, it's spelt like Carolyn. So it's spelt like Carolyn too, yeah. Maybe it's like they're saying it Ca- Ca- Caroline. They're saying Carolyn, but in they're, we're hearing the American accent wrong. They say Sarah Lynn. They don't say Sarah Line. So I don't understand how where the confusion <laughs> comes from. Okay, I don't know. Uh, so Princess Carolyn ends last season. Um, <laughs> she started this relationship with uh, her mouse friend, is it Ralph Stilton. The mm-hmm. yep. yep, and she's she left being an agent, and then she goes back to being a manager. But she's no longer BoJack's. Agent slash manager. And is sort of spending the a lot of this season trying to balance out that and her relationship with Ralph. Um, and most importantly, is trying to have a baby. Yeah, and this is something that she's been trying to do for a long time. It's obviously been very important to her. We've discussed in the past sort of her complex feelings about Diane having an abortion in season three and so forth and all those great things. Great things. All those interesting <laughs> storylines anyway. Choice of words. Um, <laughs> the highlight of the entire season for me was uh, the Ruthie episode. Spoiler alert, oh. my favourite episode for the, for the season, episode yeah. nine. It's a good one. It's a good one. Which is, it's set up with the idea that this is an uh, down the line, some future ancestor of Princess Carolyn is telling a story about her, yeah, Princess Carolyn, her great, 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 whatever, and this very bad day she had. And it's such an interesting setup. And obviously what we see is a lot of things go poorly for her. She finds out she's had a miscarriage, um... Ends up break is it in that episode? She ends up breaking up with Ralph, I think it is, and she fires Judah as well. Basically, mm-hmm. her whole yep. life is in tatters. Her life, it's her worst day. Yeah, it's her worst day, mm-hmm. and ends on this moment where she's talking to Bojack, I think, on the phone, and we yeah, find end, out yeah, that yeah, and we find out that this whole Ruthie telling the story in the future thing is a fantasy that she explores to make herself feel better when she's feeling bad. Well, yeah, yeah, well, it makes me feel better is the uh, is the line that ends the episode, which fucking broke me. <laughs> um, that was, I, I did not see it coming at all. I thought it was, I thought there was something a little bit off with the whole future thing because it seemed like, well, as soon as you do this, you're implying that she's definitely having children. Yeah. It seemed like that was always part of the journey was that was... Not a not a definite thing that was going to happen. Yeah, I, I just thought stupidly. I thought they were giving this dog a bone. They're like, "Don't worry." I thought that's what they were doing. So yeah. dumb of me. Of course, that's <laughs> not what they're doing. I was like, "Oh, it's thank not- goodness! I know at least at some stage she's going to have a kid." What a fool I was. What a fool. It's not dumb of you because we want it, right? Yeah. It's. Just like she as does. As long as we <laughs> understand the show is playing with our expectations and our emotions and that we 
we fall into that trap, but we allow it because it's effective and it worked great. And it, Mm -hmm. I truly think Princess Carolyn has been from season to season has only gotten more interesting as a character. And I'm so invested in her storyline and her struggle. And it's so simple. It's not grandiose like Bojack's is. It's not full of the same sort of hijinks that Mr. Peanut Butter's storyline is. Or, and Diane gets involved with that too. She's simply a working woman who is, tr- who is aging, who mm. wants a family, wants to be successful, and is trying to pursue those things. And it just doesn't go right for her. And it's amazing. I'm in love with it. What do you think, Damask? <clears> hmm. <throat> It's just a lot of emotions because throughout, I think for a lot of the season, things were going really well for her. Her career was going well. She'd started this agency that was doing really well. She was in this beautiful, healthy relationship with Ralph, the loveliest man or mouse man that's ever existed. (laughs) And, you know, she distanced herself from Bojack or Bojack had distanced himself from her and she was just living her best life and trying to have a baby and then she was pregnant. I was like, oh, this is sweet. This is quite good. This is balancing out, you know, the depressive, the other parts of this show that are quite depressive. Um, And then everything falls apart and uh, you just have to sit in it and it's awful and I was heartbroken for her. Um, But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's... Princess Carolyn's an interesting one because for a lot of our journey with her, if she is feeling pain or loneliness, um, she often turns that into fuel to achieve more or to strive for something else or she, you know, pours all of that into someone else's career and just, you know, it's, it can kind of put her into a bit of a, a productive frenzy. Mm. And to see her fall apart and to reach her limit and to sit in that car and cry after the worst day that she's had, it was heartbreaking. It was, yeah. I mean, I love Princess Carolyn. I want her to be happy. I think she's incredible. Um, Yeah, it was hard to watch. But, yeah, once again, this is why we watch this show and it's fantastic, even though... I mean, so many times watching this show, an episode would end and I would just be like, God damn it, Bojack. Like, just like as in the show, not the character, because it just speaks to something that's so true and heartbreaking in all of us. Just, you just want things to go right. And sometimes you just need a fucking break and you don't get it. And you just have to cry like a little kid. And that's all you can do. So that's my thought on Princess Caroline. Am I wrong in saying that by the end of the season, she's back on the horse, like almost literally, actually. Hmm. That's an interesting (laughs) pun. She's moved. She somehow had this horrible day and Mm -hmm. reached her limit. Mm -hmm. But exactly as she sort of said, she always finds, you know, a way to land on her feet. And she's back into, you know, she's, well, there's the, Complicated notion that she's very attached to this script about Filbert, mm. which happens to be the name of her miscarried baby. Yeah. Um, Miss Carrie. So I'm just remembering the Miss Carrie's bit. That was really funny. <laughs> fuck, that was a good joke. A dark joke, a, but a fucking a good joke. one. 
very, and it took me very... way too long to get it. And then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I just laughed for a solid minute because it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, there, there's, a, there's a bit of toxicity into, into that productivity, but she's, she's sort of, yeah, gotten back on the horse and she's getting back into what she does best. And it sort of leaves us in a bit of a... A neutral place with her, I think, at the end of the season. I'm interested to see what they Is do with her next drinking? season. Is she still drinking? Is she still drinking? I honestly don't remember. I didn't don't remember that being the case. I remember her being just trying that pitch meeting to get the that th- she well the thing she did that was bad was she signed Bojack's name on the contract. Oh uh, yeah, that's no, worth- that's right. I think we are in a. That's right. Yes, because Bojack asks if she wants a drink, and she says no when she goes to his house. Yeah, and that's the the end of um, her storylines when she asks him for help, which I yeah. think you know that's been a huge problem for Princess Carolyn is being able to ask people for help. Is that when there's an issue, she just goes full steam ahead, and she doesn't want to do that. And you know, ultimately, that's what separates her and Ralph is that yeah. she believes that she can carry a baby and she doesn't need help. And the fact that the man that she loves and wants to spend the rest of her life, you know, is demanding that she get help. It's unacceptable to her. And so she pushes him away. Mm. Um, and at the end we see her and she's able to ask Bojack for help. So hopefully, 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 hopefully that means there might be uh, princess Carolyn and Ralph reunion next season fingers crossed i hope so that would be nice you'd like to see uh a bit of happiness there all right let's move on to the crux of the entire season we haven't got to yet bojack hollyhock and beatrice so we start Mm -hmm. episode one and we have no idea where bojack is he's off the grid Mm -hmm. and we get to episode two which is uh the uh the old sugarman place which is bojack who has spent a year hiding away at his family's lake house, which early on I thought was going to be my favorite episode of the season and was for a while, um, which sort of is this year of him dealing with the consequences of last year, the fallout from Sarah Lynn and him running from uh, his own life, a year of sort of rebuilding himself the same way that he's rebuilding the house. <laughs> and also, we get the yeah, first badly. glimpses yep. badly, and yeah, at yeah, needing help to get it done, and yeah. finding help with someone else who's been trying to sort of run away from their past as well and avoid mm. confronting. He loves their, looking for help history. in other broken people. He loves. He really it. does. <laughs> and then uh, we also get the first glimpses of some backstory flashbacks to. Mm. The, his family history and sort of maybe the elements of his past or his, or his family that have influenced him, not just directly in the sense that uh, the misery or the depression that the elements that his mum was suffering and so forth, but even the, the idea that some of this might be genetic to some, some, of this, some of this is inherited even, like seeing his great-grandmother's grief and depression and her inability to deal with um, the death of a loved one mm. and how that drives her uh, sort of over the edge as well sets up this idea this could be a, a, a sort of hereditary thing as well. Anyway, moving on from that, he does end up going back to LA 
spending his time still avoiding Diane in particular. And then out of the blue, he is connected with this girl who believes that she is his long lost daughter, um, which was also set up last season. The idea that he had helped or paid for several women to have abortions. So Hollyhock is the character I was talking about in my review as this character that who's place in the story I absolutely think makes a lot of sense. There is so much meat on that to explore. We already understand Bojack's complicated relationship with young women, daughter-type figures in his life. He has failed miserably on that front in the past. And this opportunity for him to maybe confront his own real daughter um, and not just help, uh, hopefully, do better with her as a daughter-type figure, but maybe even see a little bit more of himself in her, someone who shares his own DNA and is self- mate, potentially dealing with some of the problems that he's dealing with as well. That worked really well for me. I didn't love Holly Hock as a character necessarily, though. I didn't dislike her, but mm. I never found her all that compelling, interesting, charming, any of the things. I didn't feel a lot of affection for her necessarily. How about you? Yeah, I, I totally understand what what you're saying, and I, and I, th- I think I agree I didn't I wasn't as attached to her as I attached thought perhaps like I, I could be yep. um but I yeah I liked her function um mm-hmm. I liked her as a device for growth and exploration um and I also liked her her innocence I guess and I think it, it almost felt strange and off-brand for this show to have a character that was innocent in the way that Holly is. So it's unlike Mr. Peanut Butter and it's unlike Todd, whose innocence, like we spoke about earlier, is, you know, often portrayed as just stupidity. Hers is, you know, it's it's something else. It's it's innocent, but it it is intelligent. And I think it's, she's up oh, sorry, go on. I was gonna say this might be the difference between naive versus innocent. I think she is she is a, a perfect representation of innocence and the fact that she's a Teenage girl, you know, yeah, she well, hasn't like, she had is, all the shit happen yet. Yeah. Yeah. She's optimistic, but not mm. because she doesn't understand the risks, but because she doesn't or she hasn't felt the devastation of yes. loss or dashed hope. And so her innocence is real. And that adds a huge stake to her relationship with Bojack. We understand because we've seen it previously, the consequences could be heartbreaking in a way that we are quite familiar with in this show. We know that, well, we understand as viewers that Bojack isn't poison. He, you know, he's suffering from depression and addiction and, you know, he certainly doesn't help himself, but he is not poison. But his actions often are poisonous to those around Mm -hmm. him. And so when we're, we've got him in close proximity to this innocent or naive girl, um, and has like full access to her and her emotional world, um, that brings a great deal of tension, at least to me, being like, please mm-hmm. don't, please don't fuck this up in a way that we have seen you fuck it up before. Um, so yeah, I, in that way, I really appreciated her presence and I love the, dy- the added dynamic with B being there. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really smart. Was it always as perhaps in-depth as I wanted? No, it wasn't because I think there was a lot going on this season. But mm. I, I loved the concept and I loved where it went with it. Um, but, yeah, as for the character of Holly Hawk herself, I, I think I agree with you. I like like, yeah, like I said, I wasn't as attached 
as I thought perhaps I would be. Yeah, her, I, I think you're exactly right. I, I agree with all of it that, that what she provides for the story, what she injects into this and what it allows us to do with Bojack in particular is great. And that ticking time bomb, it feels like, like what is going to happen? Is he going to stuff this up or not? Mm. How, well, how did you feel about where they went with that? There was the moment where she collapses and is taken to the mm. hospital and they're trying to figure out what happened and- he is being blamed for and blames himself at first that he has somehow fucked this girl over. You know, this teenager in LA in California, of course, is going to happen. He, she's, you know, has the same weaknesses that he has and has been influenced by his own behavior. And to have him find out that it wasn't his fault, <laughs> that he didn't ruin this girl. And not only that, to find out that. She's his sister. I thought that was an interesting reveal, right? In terms of not making her literally his daughter, but to have this other person who he can maybe share his experience with rather than mm-hmm. have to um, have this sort of the same responsibility over that he would if it was his daughter is a really interesting place to go. And then to have her at the end of it want him to be a part of her life. That smile at the end mm. was the most hope we've had in Bojack Horseman ever. I yeah, think. it's amazing. It was and I think so like this helpful. kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about his relationship with Diane is that he very rarely feels able to be vulnerable in, you know, negative or positive emotions with people and expressing that. And I think by now that he has this different dynamic with this young woman, which is not paternal, it doesn't have that responsibility or that weight to yep. it. He would see it as a weight. He did see it as a weight, um, but instead is fraternal, I think, gives him space to maybe breathe a little bit and feel like like he has with Diane, a bit of an, an even playing field and maybe he can soften up a little bit in that relationship. So I yeah. think it, I, it will be. I I hope, but I think it will be very beneficial to our our dear Bojack. But just going back to um, when Holly Hawk faints, I was like, mm. oh fuck! I was like, oh god, she doesn't have an eating disorder, does she? Because I know it's like she was pulling up mm. her pants and stuff, like she lost weight. Um, <clears throat> and while it absolutely was not Bojack's fault, like what happened at all, um. But the fact that, you know, he didn't notice that she had lost a huge amount of weight, that she was on amphetamines. Like we see her like organ- organizing things and like flicking through channels really quickly yeah. and stuff. Counting like something was obviously, yeah, yeah, something was obviously going on. So he wasn't as attentive as he should have been, um, you know, when you're responsible for a teenager living in your in your home. Um, but yeah, no, when he comes home and he's, he's panicked and he throws out all these pills and stuff, I thought it was... You know, a, a good step, all of all of those things, all of his past comes crashing back again, as it does time and time again. All of his regrets keep coming back, you know, as, as much as you think he's he's pushed past it, he's worked through it, even though we know he hasn't. It, it comes back because the th- similar things just keep happening. Um, yeah, and I think that'll probably continue on in season five. I'm sure there will be reminders of the things that he hasn't still hasn't dealt with. Um, totally. But to have it be... B was amazing, I think, to – he knows that 
she damaged him. He's very mm-hmm. angry about that, but he also has the voice that tells him that he deserves that. So I think the rage he feels about her doing that to someone else, someone that is innocent, someone that he doesn't d- doesn't think deserves it, yeah. um, was, yeah, a good channel for his fury to finally be like, now, nah, f- why am I giving you a second chance? You are horrible and this confirms it. Um. Just to go back to what you were saying before, that I did love that panic attack moment where he goes mm. into the bathroom and just sort of like uh, starts hyperventilating on the floor. It felt very real and very earned, and it was um, it was a good moment to bounce back from for him. I think to mm-hmm. see this happening again, what he thought, you know, this is happening again, this is happening again, and then to to realize it wasn't, and to be able to step up. Yeah, I, it was great storytelling to get to that point. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about B for a second then. Because I think you explained that really well, this opportunity for him to channel his feelings about her in the in the correct way and uh, by by being able to put it onto or or overlap that over Hollyhock is a healthier way than because he obviously has a lot of self-doubt about himself or self-hatred there. What did you think about the whole storyline with B, the flashbacks to her, her relationship with her mother, her relationship with her father, fucking Matthew Broderick? Oh my god, what a piece of shit he his character yeah. is. Um Yeah. And then seeing her relationship with Bojack's dad build and sort of where that all ends up. Um what was that episode called? Time's Arrow, yeah. Um it's such an interesting move to make because it's we're spending time with a character who has only ever really been a flashback in a couple of scenes previously in episodes and then has been a basically shell of a human being in terms of that she is suffering from dementia and, you know, deteriorating at a pretty rapid rate to spend so much time focused on her emotional journey and destruction to get to the point where she becomes Bojack's horrible mother. Um, How do you feel about that stuff? I really liked it. Mm. I find intergenerational trauma fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think even though Bojack will never know these things, mm. yeah, I, I was intrigued by the character. And I think it, it helped that we be start off on that journey in episode two and it's done so beautifully with yeah. um, Jane Krakowski plays um, B's mum who gets the lobotomy, so tragic. And when her and the um, the dragonfly are singing, oh, my yeah. goodness, God, gorgeous, gorgeous. Like, yeah, I'm probably going to watch rewatch that after we finish this, actually. It's um, a haunting I, episode. It's amazing. So I think to start there, I was hooked. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to – maybe we're going to explore some family history here. Mm. And that's, that's what we did. And I – yeah, I thought it was – really interesting to come to understand this woman to see how life began to poison her and then she began to poison herself and then she began to poison those around her. Mm-hmm. I think is fascinating just about that character. I think it's fascinating in terms of Bojack as well and how, you know, he's trying to turn away from that, he doesn't want to pass that on anymore. 
Um, but it's obviously he doesn't have the tools to know how to do that just yet. But I think it's, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, how this is the beginning of the next chapter. Yeah. I think this is demonstrating that, is that we're really going to have a very close look at Bojack's depression from a lot of different angles. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be family history and family trauma. I think that's what this season really focused on and how that affected him, how it affects how he speaks to himself, which I found very fascinating um, and very relatable. Uh, so I, I liked it. I can understand why people wouldn't if you, you know, you're not in any way interested in that character. I was, so I liked it. I thought it was great. And uh, like, and even just from a, um, the way that that was all portrayed through this sort of this flashback that is filtered through her own deteriorating mind. Mm, yeah. It moved, this show's been dark and depressing at times, but I don't think it's ever been that disturbing. Like, it was mm. creepy to watch mm-hmm. this sort of play out and the way they would, she'd have these flashes of like the doll being burning or. Mm. Um, the way the faces were all scribbled out, all the walls would move, and all sorts of weird things. It was, it was really engaging and 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 off-putting at the same time, but in a in a in an effective emotional way to make you deal with the gravity of this stuff because it was full on. Um, how does it make you feel about B and like her obvious terrible destructive influence on Bojack? And you sort of said that, you know, Hollyhock has allowed him to channel his feelings about her a little clearer. Do you think she is deserving of all of that vitriol that she gets from him? If from we understand. Him? Absolute, absolutely, yes. Even though mm-hmm. we understand sort of even she was built from a similar <laughs> like we oh, are. Yeah, we, I mean, I we, think the tragedy Yeah that she experienced her her own childhood is awful mm. um, and it explains her behaviour. It does not excuse yes. it and it doesn't mean that Bojack has to in any way forgive her or want her to be a part of his life. I think she is a toxic person and I think she is an emotionally abusive person and she damaged her son in a way that affects him when he's in his 40s. It has, you know, he's incapable of holding down many relationships. He poisons relationships very easily Um, and he is allowed to be very angry about that and he's still allowed to be angry about that because he hasn't dealt with it, she never dealt with it. Um, Yeah, no, I think... His anger at her is completely justified. Do I think he does it in a healthy way? No, I don't. I don't mm. think throwing her doll over the balcony is healthy and mm. I don't and doing that in front of Holly Hawk, I think is particularly disturbing and really hard to watch. Yeah. Particularly when, you know, we see this old woman begging for him to stop. I think that's really confronting and hard to watch. Like my reaction was like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that Bojack has ever done. Like this is awful. Like the way he treats her, I'm like, this is awful. That's a high bar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, but you know, yes, she's an older woman. Yes, she has dementia. But to him, she is still his mother 
and his mother was a terrible, terrible person. So you, the, you so. put it really well. The tragedy of it is obviously evident there, but yes, that doesn't mean he needs to forgive her, even if he he never will understand all that history anyway. Mm. Um, but even if he did, and I think that's true as well. We we're hopefully on a, a journey of redemption for Bojack. We're going to see him grow and improve as a character to be able to sort of break away from the destructive um, parts of his personality, his destructive behavior. But we would like it's fair for us for Charlotte and Penny to never forgive Bojack yeah, for his, totally, for his actions. We wouldn't yep. think it was unfair of them to, Mm-mm. you know, to feel. Yeah, those sorts of emotions for him and keep him at arm's length and never let them, him back into their life. That You can't ask that of someone, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, just before we move on, because I think we've probably, unless there's something especially you want to talk about as well, um, you mentioned the sort of the inner monologue stuff, the way he talks to himself. So you liked that episode. Um, I think it's called Stupid Piece of Shit. On a, this is the <laughs> name of the episode, episode six. And it's the, as I called it, I was kind of titling all these episodes away along, the Bojack's inner monologue episode. Um, you like that, that real in-depth look at just sort of his own thought process, the way he, the filter through which he sees the world and, and, and views himself. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, that's my filter. Yeah. <laughs> As someone with, you know, depression and anxiety, I was like, that's exactly what it sounds like. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it starts off like comical. It's like, you know, he's constantly just being like, oh, you piece of shit. Oh, fuck you. Like. You, you know, and you wake up and like that's just what's in your head all the time. And I think to mm. see that it's like it's a it's a very cathartic thing to see, and it's you know at times funny to watch that. But then obviously it becomes tragic. But it's yeah, I yeah, I I really liked that episode, and I had never seen it, it the way that my mind works depicted in that way, and I really appreciated seeing it because that's really interesting. The so it felt accurate. It didn't feel oversimplistic, or it felt like it was a, it was a good representation of that feel of that experience of that feeling or the way that you would yeah, talk I mean, to yourself. Because I think while what's behind it is complex and hard yeah. to break down and look at, it kind of is that simple. That voice. It mm. is just you know everything you're doing is wrong, and it says the worst things in the world to you constantly in like a flurry of thoughts all the time. It's like, yeah, no, that's, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. It's interesting the way you say as well, that it was funny and that this sort of catharsis in that too, a little bit, it reminds me of from the brat, brat, pow, pow episode <laughs> last season when they're talking about abortion, it's like, you know, she's making a joke, right? She doesn't actually want to kill her baby yeah. and hope it has a soul and stuff like that, but it helps to be able to make fun of it because yeah. it makes it, Easier. Yeah. Well, like when he's eating cookies for breakfast and he's just like, oh, God, you're eating cookies. This is not breakfast, you fucking piece of shit. I was like, yeah, that happens all the time when you're like, like, why am I doing this? Why am I, you know, having another drink? Why am I like smoking another joint? Why am I eating another fucking burger? Why, you know, like all all the behavior that people – well, like I joke about being, you know, destructive, but it's kind of ha-ha funny. It's like, yeah, we all we have the the inner the dialogue, just being like, we know it's stupid and it's wrong and it's unhealthy, but that's part of the the process of harming yourself. Is like you do the things that you know you're going to hate yourself for, just so you can continue hating yourself. 
Okay, let's get to final thoughts. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. A couple of side notes. A million points to Bojack Horseman for a Settlers of Catan joke. That made me very happy. Did you, Where did, was did you pick it? up on that one? Oh, it was a scene. Um, uh, it was a scene. I can't even remember the exact episode or the exact joke. It was something to do with Princess Caroline, and they were talking about someone Catan. I don't even remember the reference. But then it just ended on the idea of settle for Catan, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's a settlers of Catan joke. Why is this in this show?" And well done to the writers. You weren't. You weren't my praise on that one. I'll it find it later. It sounds familiar, but yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, but it, it almost went over my head. Like, it was one of those ones right. that was like, three, two, one. Whoa, that was a Settlers of Catan joke. That's <laughs> and the board game nerd in me thought that was great. Um, something else I, I've been just wanted to bring up. I think I mentioned last episode that I really enjoy how the opening tiles evolve. Between seasons, then between episodes, you know, you see sort of who's in Bojack's life at the time and what things are changing there. Um, I also enjoy the when they do their changes in animation style to do like mm. Bojack's in a monologue or um, when they were, they did sort of the history of Princess Carolyn bit, they were sort of using like uh, photorealistic cat heads as part of the animation yeah, there. Right. And there was, yeah. there was another bit like that as well. And there's a, just the times when they just switch up the animation style to not just indicate that this is not happening in reality right now, but it just gives a different feel, different texture to the show. And I really, really, mm-hmm. en- it gets it gets to be a bit more visually interesting. I really enjoyed yeah. that as well. Uh, any side notes to mask? Um, so we didn't have Margot Martindale this season, we which didn't. leads me to believe that she did in fact die. So RIP, just wanted to ignore that. I don't that. believe you it. Missed. Margot Martindale can Yeah, I reckon die. she's in hiding. I, she's probably like living with some dolphin somewhere, you know, but need yeah. to say. Absolutely. Yeah, she'll be high. We'll find out she's in uh, that underwater city from uh, last season somewhere. <laughs> There'll be a pocket of air, like, caught in the spaghetti, and she rides it down, and once it's cleared, she's sort of, yeah, I don't, something like that. Is it like an avatar situation? Like, she's and, in just, like, a ball of ice? Yes. Oh, And they find amazing. her, like, in 100 years? Oh, speaking of Avatar really quickly, Avatar The Last Airbender, mm. um, the Blu-rays of Avatar The Last Airbender are being released in Australia this month, at the end of the month. Ooh. And I will be I'm fucking excited, man. I've been looking forward to that for ages. <laughs> the DVD transfers were shit, so I'm looking forward to getting the Blu-ray oh. versions. Anyway, that was off topic. Uh, least favourite and favourite episode. Damask. I've already said mine, so you can go first on this one. Okay. I'm going to go with episode eight. The Judge is my least favourite. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that's just when Bojack becomes the ju- judge of that stupid TV show. Holly Hawk meets that boy. Uh-huh. Um, and it's also when Princess Carolyn goes to meet the Stiltons, the Stilton family. Yep. Um, I don't know. It just felt like it could have been a part of a lot of other shows. And that's generally yep. not what I get from Bojack Horseman. So I think, yeah, just I was just like, meh. No, no, thank you. I mean, it, I'm, of course, it was going to be the Todd one. Um, but there were some elements in that. I was like, no, that's not too bad. And then it was also, I was considering, um, episode seven underground as well. I was yeah. like, didn't, didn't really do it for me. I thought like, yeah, just the Todd and Princess Carolyn storyline in that episode. Yeah. It was a step too far, I think, which obviously feels crazy to say because last season we had Margot Martindale crash into a spaghetti ship and possibly drown um but yeah i don't know it just felt 
too weird. And then they like end up eating Zach Braff. I was like, I don't know, man. This it's too much, man. Um, so it's that that saying is stuck in my head, and I say it in my head all the time now, and it's both sad and amusing. So yeah, so but like I am going to go with the judge phrase. episode eight. Pardon? Like any good catchphrase, it's a good soundbite. It just you know mm-hmm. sticks in your head. I think They're Sarah good. Lynn would be proud to know that she's always with me. <laughs> It was there was that bit actually because they played a couple of um, Bojack episodes this like sorry of horsing around episodes this season mm. and you're like I never thought I'd hear that voice again but it makes sense they yeah. would still have Sarah Lynn exist in in those recordings and it's like oh this feels really weird to hear Sarah Lynn again yeah. in that in that character that was a bit sad um, just ached a little bit in my, in my chest area the I. I actually think you're onto something there about episode eight. I didn't write any fucking notes for it. Like it was just, a, it was such yeah. a standard episode. Um, and also the underground episode, I I didn't hate it, but it just seemed, I mean, it was, a, it was a lot of, em- it was a lot of emphasis on Mr. Peanut Butter and probably the, not the worst elements, but the stuff that I don't, I care the least amount in terms of the campaign stuff. It was almost like, I was like, ah, oh, is this sort of like a Trump versus Hillary parable? The idea of the popularist versus the, you know, uh, someone who actually knows what they're doing. And yay, I feel like maybe I just emotionally am so over thinking about that at this stage that it washed over me completely. And then you write about the Princess Carolyn and, um, and Todd stuff was just underground societies. I don't know, the negotiating thing of hers was kind of cute in that, but- yeah, I love that whatever. RuPaul was in it, but I just, yeah, it just felt a little a step too far for me. I don't know. And I think also because in that episode, we do have some great stuff between um, Diane and Bojack in, mm-hmm. the, in the bedroom when they're drinking. I was like, I just kind of want to get back to that. And this silliness, it's just too much silliness, I think. Um, too absurd. It is it is funny how you can have this cartoon world of animals with humans, but there is like you need to know where your levels are. And you know what the thing like mm. where, where the boundaries are of that becoming absurd? Because you create a world, you create a reality and you you gotta be careful you don't just overset that mark and break it. But also I just kept thinking about how long people had been, just this two week thing made no sense to me that they were there for that yeah. long. <laughs> I was it like, weren't like, they going to run out of oxygen? What happened? And Todd, it was the same thing with Todd and Princess Carolyn. I was like, this this is two weeks worth of them. I just didn't feel mm. like two weeks. It found a little bit absurd to me. Um, but I am going to give my least favorite episode to episode three. Hooray, Todd episode. Because no, <laughs> not hooray, Todd episode. It felt like I. it started and I was like, okay, this is it. This is where we either find out whether they can do something with Todd or not. And I walked away mm. from it going, I... Didn't I don't think you're right about Todd, and I don't think mm-hmm. you've given a compelling case for me to give a shit about Todd yet. Although I will say, not to do with this episode, a little moment that I liked of Todd's was in the last episode when he sort of was going to go on a date with that Newt Salamander lady. Mm. And it sort of opens up and we see all the other people in the room that are dressed like Todd. And that had been established earlier in the season that that was sort of the fashion at the time. But I thought that was a, just a very, um, on the nose, but a subtle-ish, how can it be something be subtle on the nose at the same time? It makes no sense, Brod. It was an interesting way of just sort of <laughs> illustrating that maybe Todd feels a bit more like 
he belongs for a moment there. He yeah. doesn't feel so isolated or alone in his sexuality right in that moment. I thought that was that was okay. Yeah. Favorite episode mask. I am going to go with episode six, stupid piece of shit, for all the reasons that I just explained. I think it's, yeah, it was nice to hear that voice outside my own head. I'm going to give my favorite episode to episode nine, Ruthie. Um, I thought mm. it was it was a great setup. It was a great episode. It was great to focus on Princess Caroline. She's been my favorite storyline pretty consistently now, building since season two. Mm. And that fucking emotional punch at the end got me. Real good. It wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as devastating as, say, the Sarah Lynn stuff in season three by any means. But it just, I was just like, ah, you set it up and you knocked him down and you you got me. And yeah, just want to applaud that. Um, Do you have any predictions, hopes or concerns for next season? I hope that Princess Carolyn and Ralph get back together. Mm Mm-hmm. I hope that Bojack and um, Holly Hawk continue their relationship and I we get to see a new dynamic through um, that relationship uh, with Bojack kind of opening up and perhaps dealing with a family member that he doesn't hate, which he's never experienced before. So that should be interesting. Um I also hope that nothing romantic happens between him and Diane, as we've discussed. Uh, beyond that, I'm I'm not sure where we're going to go. What about you? I um I don't have a lot of hopes necessarily. I, I I think I hope I think I agree with you about the Hollyhock stuff. I actually don't think she's going to be in a lot, but I, I imagine yeah, no, she'll neither. be in for like two or three episodes, or yeah. here a or there there'll be some here stuff. And there, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that'll be very important. I can imagine there being phone calls. She shows up at the end of the season for a couple of episodes for some mm. important plot stuff, and that'll be good. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy with that. That'll work for me quite well, I think. Um, I would hope there's less Todd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot of Bojack and Diane. I think we're going to see a lot of Bojack and Diane together. And I think we're probably going to see essentially a season of of a divorce. I think we're probably going to see Mm. Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter break up over the course of the season. And I think that could be really something. I think that could be really, really amazing. This show has handled their relationship so well. I think they could, I think they could do a really good job showing the complexities of breaking up as well, the subtleties of it. That doesn't have to be explosive to be full of dramatic potential and an interesting yeah. an interesting and compelling storytelling. I, I think that could be really something, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. And we might get a lot out of Mr. Peanut Butter this season. I think this could be a... a I think Mr. Peanut Butter sort of had a season of being... The, uh, he, he has to be quite naive at times for that stuff with Diane to work. And so he spent all season on this campaign trail... That was a bit of a diversion that we didn't love because I think it's going to lead to a lot of like if Princess Carolyn got a lot of focus this season, I think Mr. Peanut Butter might get a lot of focus this season on his own, yeah. and that could yeah. be really great stuff. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Cool. 
Thank you very much to, for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song from Jordan Calavis and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. Sorry for anyone following me at the moment. It's mainly Richmond Tigers AFL stuff. Uh, Damask? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Just been tweeting about depression um, and putting up photos of my cat on Instagram. So very similar, really. There was There was something you wrote the other day and I was like, are you like trying to get on the writer's room for uh, Bojack? That was. Which <laughs> like, is funny because very... it was before I, I had even uh, watched this season. I was just lying in bed alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, next episode. <laughs> Look forward to that. We'll be back to discuss uh, Sharp Object Season 1, which definitely won't be emotionally devastating in any way whatsoever. Uh, in the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.